Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. I always wondered, why is it not here to fuck spiders? Of all things, why a spider? I think because of how ridiculous that concept is. I think it would be funnier to say to fuck a fly, like put some alliteration in it. Yeah, that's true. We can change it. We can change it to whatever you want. Yeah, I used to actually say ready to fuck this puppy, which is, I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I do. um, I always do enjoy like when someone else is helping you to do the work, a uh, classic phrase my dad would say is, you're, you're rooting the cat, I'm just holding it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's a cute little one, another animal-related oh. uh, little jibe. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> we are a strange people. Uh... Yes, we are a strange people, which is why I love us. There is something unique about us. Anyway, hi, Kate. Hello, Dominic. Good to see you. Good to chat to you as usual. Yes, uh, I need to see you today. I need a good laugh because my life is something something else at the moment. Something out of a storybook? <laughs> yeah. I'm Unreal. I'm not vaping, smoking, drinking or eating anything that brings me joy and kills me quicker. So that sounds awful yeah (laughs) but good for you and I'm very proud of you I'm on a similar journey um the alcohol was one of the things it was a moment last week when I was emptying my recycling into the outside bin and I thought oh gosh I hope that the neighbors just think I was collecting cans as a uh, as a save the environment type enterprise (laughs) either that or I've entertained 60 people over five days uh, it was an embarrassing cacophony of bottles into the bin. That clink, clink, clink. Well, uh-huh. here's to us on a health kick in the middle of Cheers. winter. <laughs> Here is my water. Chin, chin to you. Alrighty. So let's get into our usual. Uh, let's do it. Housekeeping. <laughs> Uh, let's work through it real quick, folks. You know the drill. It is shitting.bricks, Todd Podcasts. Please go check us out. TikTok, Instagram are our favourites, so go find us there. Go find us. And while go you're... Say hi. Yeah, exactly. And say hi. Like, we love hearing from y'all. Give us yes. your, like, what are you afraid of? Or give us a story. You know? Yeah, I was pretty excited because we'll get a notification when some of our reels have a certain number of views. And uh, the past few weeks, we, we've got a few notifications that our reels are, you know, over the thousand uh, views, which is quite cool on Instagram. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's for us, that's, we're just plodding along with our little potty. That's quite cool to see those come in. So keep engaging with us and, yes, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. And while you're at it, uh, Patreon, it's the way that Kate and I keep the lights on and keep paying to host all this stuff because, you know, it's not free. So 
If you got it, what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. If you've got an extra five bucks, and you would if you were joining Kate and I on not drinking alcohol. Yes. Or... Oh God, more than five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck it our way, um, yep. and become one of our brickies, and that way you get early access to all the podcasts, and. Each week you get a bonus episode and Kate, I've got a doozy. I can't wait. I think our bonus episodes have been some of our best stuff. Mine last week was when I hadn't eaten and I was a good three to four glasses down of a red. (laughs) Obviously that won't be the same tone for this evening. However, good stuff, guys. It's bloody good gags. You're missing out. You're missing out. Every week. Five dollars. Yeah, so just some extra bucks. Go check us out on Patreon again, shitting.bricks.podcast. And while you're at it, uh, at the end of the episode, we'd really love if folks could stick around and give us a five-star rating or review because uh, it goes a huge way in getting our stuff in front of new listeners. Absolutely. And that's kind of our shtick this year. And I think we're up to something like 20-plus something Reviews on Spotify. I don't know how many on Apple Podcasts because I hate Apple Podcasts. But yeah, whatever. I don't use that either. But yeah, maybe we've got like a million and we just wouldn't even know. Exactly. <laughs> but still, keep going. Whatever you're listening on, rate, review. Love to hear from you. Yeah. And if you want to get in touch with us, it's just shitting.bricks.podcast at gmail.com. You know, it's like the same stuff, folks. You know, you know this by now. So you do, but we love to tell you. We love to remind you. It's our little warm up to our epics. Exactly. But before we move on to our episode this week, we have got our Boopod Network feature podcast. And this week, the lovely Michelle. Hey, Michelle. I love that, that name. Michelle is such a great name to say. Cool. Yeah. Satisfying. Michelle. Michelle. Um, but Michelle <laughs> is. We the... both just got a bit lost Michelle. in that, that name for a Michelle. second. Michelle. <laughs> oh, Michelle, do stop. No, don't stop, Michelle. <laughs> Whisper in Kate's ear and then you'll, you know. No, don't. I fell off my chair. <laughs> <laughs> but Michelle is the host of Paranormal Exposed, um, slightly different to what Kate and I do here because it's all about paranormal activity. Uh, but if that's your shtick, you should go lap it up. Do it. Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> Do you love a good ghost story, tales of the paranormal, and sightings of the unexplained? If so, the Paranormal Exposed podcast is right up your alley. Join me every Wednesday as I guide you through a new spooky episode. Listen in as I give you the spooky stories and the facts to back them up or poke a few holes in their stories. Whether you are a skeptic or a believer, this is a great way to explore and to expose the paranormal. Yes, Michelle, we're going to lap you up, baby. Okay, Kate, we are officially a minute and 16 seconds over for... Sages! Oh, my God. Housekeeping. House creepy. House, 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 house creepy. It's over. <laughs> oh, fresh towels for everyone. <laughs> and hot American Mac donuts. <laughs> okay. Hey, Dom. Hey, Kate. Have you got a story for us this week? I just so do. Oh, my goodness. <gasps> what are the odds? This one I'm really, really excited about. <laughs> okay. Hit me with it. I can't wait. Let's do this. 
Well, I'm not excited that it happened, but I'm excited to share. I am. So before we start, I'm not sure if we've told folks officially, maybe we have, or we've maybe alluded to it, but I have a new job. I'm working. Uh Uh-huh. Which is exciting. I get paid now. It's very exciting. I love that. I love getting paid. Yeah. I wasn't so good at being unemployed, but two months was enough and it was more stressful than working, which says something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been there for almost two months now and it's with the EPA, which is the same as the EPA in probably most places. Mm-hmm. EPA. EPA. <laughs> EPA. <laughs> which means Environment Protection Authority. So I work for the government mm. now. Oh. I'm practically James Bond, Kate. You are. You really are. Yeah. <laughs> but because of that... I thought I would do a story that's loosely based in my new line of work. Oh, I'm here for this. Let's go. But at first, I need to give you a bit of a hint. Uh, And we love a phobia, Kate. So here is the phobia for this week's episode. So toxophobia, or less Mm -hmm. commonly known as iophobia, is a fear of being poisoned. We've never done that one. I know, right? We've definitely, I know. And this is the thing, because we are 80 episodes into our podcast, we have touched on stuff previously and we would have talked about a heck of a lot of gear, but this is not ringing bells as a solid episode. I'm so excited for this. All right, hit me. Fear of being poisoned. Yeah. I mean, I did Isdal Woman and that was like possible poisoning like we've done things where we talk about poisoning but we haven't talked about toxiphobia so t-o-x-i phobia makes what the sense so despite poisoning uh is a minor problem in the united states and other developed countries it gets significant coverage when poisoning is reported Mm -hmm. lending people to think that poisonings are really common Uh, or even avoidable, unavoidable, causing depression that becomes a fear. So people think that like poisoning happens all the time. There's poisoning warnings on like everything. everything. Yeah. (laughs) Especially. Which was definitely, it was definitely the, uh, the, you know, most of the things you see on household products and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, It's like someone did this one time and then they had to print this on the label so that some other idiot didn't do the same thing. Exactly. Or, you know, around children, which obviously. Yeah, of course. Big makes deal. sense. Makes Another big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. <laughs> big deal. <laughs> Who needs them? Who needs them? Can't live with them. You can't bloody live with them, right? <laughs> <laughs> Now, another cause of fear is the one who was poisoned and survived. So, a primary symptom of toxophobia is suspicion meaning sufferers would not trust a friend, for instance, to cook food for them or give them a drink because sufferers may worry that a friend may add toxins to it. I am very, very on top of anybody who's cooking chicken for me. (laughs) So I, it's, yeah, I just, if it's chicken, if it's not cooked until it's so dead and dry, Dry. paranoid. I'm paranoid that I'm going to have explosive diarrhea at the worst <laughs> times. So I, I can understand that. Now, toxophobes, they may trust grocery stores because things are packaged, yep. so on and so forth. You may go back to the same grocery store over and over or build up loyalty 
to a brand, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But they will not or less likely to trust restaurants, cafeterias, food stops. Mm-hmm. And like, Kate, I found this that I just thought of you because it's not like poison poison, <laughs> but it kind of is. And I know it's, this is your It's big your for me. It is. It is my jam for sure. I ate a um, New York Street hot dog and definitely I was like, I have to. I have to do it. It's an institution. So I ordered a hot dog and... Um, I split it with mum. So I was like, well, at least if we will both get sick. <laughs> we both <laughs> but then, down. Yeah. But then it was arguably one of the best things I've ever had in my mouth. <laughs> so I ordered another one after and ate that. And I was like, this, like, I need to put a pin in that to, because otherwise had I really thought it, I never would have tasted that street yeah. hot dog. I never would have tried it. Street I never would have got, just got my street meat. Um, and, yes, you know, it's a hot dog, not a lot of actual food in it. But at the same time, I was just like I never would have experienced this standing on the side of the street dropping mustard and sauce all over the ground in New York City if I didn't just give it a crack. And you know what? If I shit myself, I shit myself. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? Everyone yeah. shits themselves Everyone at some shits point. themselves. Yeah. Mm. Well, on that topic of poisoning and people who may suffer from toxophobia, this week's episode, and I'm, of course, listeners already know because they've seen the, the title. <laughs> title of the episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but for Kate, this is your first time. I am doing an episode on industrial disasters. Erin Brockovich, welcome <laughs> to the waiting room. Please sit down. Lizzie Truss has a cup of tea for you with a very healthy boiled water from a location that is toxin-free. Yeah, and you can definitely get into an argument with Margie Thatcher. I feel like you oh, would love you it. You two have a lot to talk about. Yeah. So get cosy. Get cosy, Dal. Get, actually, Lizzie, get the crocheted blanket out. She's getting the crocheted blanket. <laughs> Okay, so when we think of actual large-scale tragedies or disasters that aren't natural in design, so unlike Mm -hmm. tsunamis, volcanoes, earthquakes, right? Mm -hmm. We've done Mm -hmm. some stories on those. We have. We will definitely be doing more because there's so many. But our minds kind of wander to days like Mm 9-11 or when corporations, businesses, some entity do something really dodgy and disaster strikes. Uh-huh. Off EP. Yep. Jumping to mind. I might be jumping ahead here, but I'm sure regardless, if we bring it up, you're going to give us some sweet deets. Yep. So often thousands of innocent people may pay the price for greed or poor management. These are often referred to as industrial accidents. In. Yeah, they say accidents because accidents doesn't Doesn't suggest premeditation. Yeah, 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 it's homicide versus murder. Right. Now, an industrial accident is a serious event that involves hazardous materials and that can have consequences for the surrounding population and environment, which is where EPA comes in. (laughs) EPA. Depending on the nature of the products involved, the accident can take the form of a fire, an explosion, or the emission of toxic or radioactive material. So, Kate, what do you think are some of the worst industrial disasters of all 
time. Well, I mean, the the first one and probably one of the biggest ones um, of the 90s was the Springfield nuclear plant dumping their toxic nuclear waste into the pond and the three-eyed fish being created mm. for the episode of The Simpsons. So that's one of the probably the biggest ones <laughs> and no doubt you're going to go in depth about the three-eyed fish. Um, but, no, I mentioned before uh, BP, oil spill, yeah. jumps into my mind. Um, I mean, Erin Brockovich jumps into mind. Don't know if that's a true story, but no doubt there is the true story that that's based off. It was a true story. Yes. It was. It's a freaking biopic. <laughs> Wilco. You got that. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, everyone. I apologise for that. It's embarrassing admission. Um, yes, that was that was a true story. So poisoning people's land and water and them getting all of the cancers and debilitating awful issues with their people and their friends and family. Um those are probably the three that are springing to mind. Well, I'm sure folks at home are also screaming things down their microphone at us as well. Uh-huh. But some other big name ones are the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Exxon. That's yep. right. Yep. That, one hit, okay. that one hits a little close to home because of family relationships. Yes, absolutely. There was also Fukushima. Oh. Remember, that was a bit recent. Yes. Deepwater Horizon, another film that's been done. Yes. Yep. And yep. quite well, which was uh, an oil reek. Yeah. And then I don't understand how they work still, by the way. I don't know how you build them. That's a whole other episode. Yeah. Forget it. Okay. I'm going to write that down because I'm going to do an episode on that. Do one. Deepwater Horizon is a fascinating story. Okay. And then probably one of the most famous ones is Chernobyl. Oh, of course. Cherny. Yeah. Which. Everyone knows recently, relatively recently, there was the amazing uh, telly series, which just, yes. it is freaking iconic. The, yeah. the Everything about it. There's actually nothing wrong with it. It's the perfect TV it's show. Perfect TV show. Do you know what got me was, and this is, I digress a touch, but I tend to do that. Um, the David Attenborough documentary, and I've brought this up before, I'm certain of it because it's something that's always been with me, mm. but David Attenborough was talking about our planet and about how, you know, stuff happens and, you know, we're ruining it basically. Um, and whilst he was filming that, he was filming it at Chernobyl. Yeah. So he was doing all of his interviewee, this is what happens, blah, blah, blahs. Uh, and essentially the message at the end was whilst he was sort of walking around and showing you how the earth had grown around Chernobyl. So there was now an ecosystem, there was now animals, there was now wildlife, flora, fauna, and everything that was growing at Chernobyl. Mm. No doubt that took a very, very long time after what had happened there and all that sort of stuff. But the end message that he finished with, and whilst you were looking at all this incredible, you know, plantation and vegetation growth, animals, deers running around, all of that sort of stuff, he basically just said, if we don't stop doing what we're doing, the planet will find a way to kill us so that then it can regenerate itself like it has done here at Chernobyl. Nice. So it'll figure it out. If you keep melting down nuclear plants, uh, it'll kill you off. It'll move you away from wherever it needs you to move away from, make it uninhabitable for human beings, and then it will just regenerate itself. So it was so powerful. I was like, you know what? Yeah, you got, you're got you onto something there, D. Attenborough. Mm. I think you know your shit. Mother Nature rules. Yep. She'll figure out a way. Life will find a way. It will find a way. Well, 
I've gone through a bit of a list of some of the more known or well-known yeah, big industrial accidents. But there's one, Kate, there's one that just has never probably gotten as much airtime and is not as commonly known, but it is by far the worst industrial disaster that's ever been. Was it not as sexy as the other one? It it makes Chernobyl look like a picnic. And is that not uh. a line from a movie? Thank you very much. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. What movie though? I'm going to look that up. Okay. So while you look that up, I'm going to introduce you to the, well, if you've, I'm assuming you've never heard of it and folks at home, but this is the (laughs) Bhopal. It's been a buildup. Yeah. The Bhopal disaster. Okay. Okay. B-O-B-O-P-O-L? B-H-O-P-A-L. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. We've got lots to get through folks. So, on December 3rd, 1984, more than 40 tonnes of methyl isocyanate gas leaked from a pesticide plant in Bhopal, India, immediately killing at least 3,800 people and causing significant morbidity and premature death for many thousands more. Okay. The company involved in what became the worst industrial accident in human history immediately tried to disassociate itself from any legal responsibility. Right. So it goes, no, we did it. It wasn't us. Eventually, it reached a settlement with the Indian government through mediation of the country's Supreme Court and accepted moral responsibility. It paid $470 million in compensation, a relatively small amount based on significant underestimations of the long-term health consequences of exposure and the number of people exposed. And the disaster indicated a need for enforceable international standards for environmental safety, preventative strategies to avoid similar accidents, and industrial disaster preparedness. Huge. Okay. It's massive. It's massive. This thing is pretty much was everything. It's just, it's intense. So let's get into it. In the 1970s, the Indian government initiated policies to encourage foreign companies to invest in local industry. Sounds like a good idea. Okay, great start. Union Carbide Corporation, or UCC, was asked to build a plant for the manufacture of seven. Seven, as in S-E-V-I-N, which is a pesticide commonly used throughout Asia. This sounds like something in uh, Far Cry 6. Oh, true. Like I just played, they do, theirs is all about um, pesticides mm. and whatnot. Yes. Okay, seven. As, <laughs> as part of the deal, India's government insisted that a significant percentage of the investment come from local shareholders. Sounds pretty good too. Okay. The government itself had a 22% stake in the company's subsidiary Union Carbide India Limited, UCIL, and the company built the plant in Bhopal because of its central location and access to transport infrastructure. The specific site within the city was zoned for light industrial and commercial use, not for hazardous industry. Uh huh. Red flag. The plant was initially approved only for formulation of pesticides from component chemicals such as MIC imported from the parent company in relatively small quantities. 
However, pressure from competition in the chemical industry led to UCAL to implement backward integration. Mm. That's in quotation marks, which is the manufacture of raw materials and intermediate products for formulation of the final product with one facility. This was inherently a more sophisticated and hazardous process. So in 1984, the plant was manufacturing seven at one quarter of its production capacity due to decreased demand for pesticides. Widespread crop fails in famine on the subcontinent in the 1980s led to increased indebtedness and decreased capital for farmers to invest in pesticides. Yeah, fair enough. So local managers were directed to close the plant and prepare it for sale in July 1984 due to decreased profitability. When no ready buyer was found, UCIL made plans to dismantle key production units of the facility for shipment to another developing country. In the meantime, the facility continued to operate with safety equipment and procedures far below the standards found in its sister plant in Institute, West Virginia. Okay. The local government was aware of safety problems but was reticent to place heavy industrial safety and pollution control burdens on the struggling industry because it feared the economic effects of the loss of such a large employer. Yeah, definitely. They're just like, we'll just lower the standards here so that we can keep the plant running Mm -hmm. because it's expensive to be safe. (laughs) It it sure is. And they don't want this place to close down completely because, yeah. Of the jobs and, yeah, all of that sort of stuff. Of course, okay. But as we know, where shortcuts are made. Disasters happen. So at 11 p.m. exactly on December 2nd, 1984, while most of the 1 million residents of Bhopal slept, an operator at the plant noticed a small leak of methyl isocyanate, MIC, gas, Mm -hmm. and increasing pressure inside a storage tank. The vent gas scrubber, a safety device designed to neutralize toxic discharge from the MIC system, had been mm-hmm. turned off three weeks prior. And nobody noticed that. Yeah, three whole freaking weeks. Wow. They definitely needed someone with a clipboard just to be like, is the bad fan switched off? Because <laughs> we need the bad things to be fanned out of here. Why is oh, that no. not wearing? <laughs> been turned off. Yeah. Why is it quiet in here? It's very startling. <laughs> No. Anybody hear that, like, hissing sound? It seems weird. Carol, do you want to go and get a, a sandwich for lunch? <laughs> That's what I imagine is happening in that plant. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of carols in India. Heaps of ca- so many carols. <laughs> oh, God, stop. <laughs> now, apparently a faulty valve had allowed one tonne of water for cleaning internal pipes to mix with 40 tonnes of MIC. Perfect. That sounds like I don't know anything about chemistry. That sounds great. Not good. Okay. A 30-ton refrigeration unit that normally served as a safety component to cool the MIC storage tank had been drained of its coolant for use in another part of the plant. Pressure and heat from the vigorous exothermic reaction in the tank continued to build. The gas flare safety system was out of action and had been for three whole months. Oh, Damn, I thought it was going to be three weeks again, but no, this is like... Yeah, so you know those flares that pop up? Yeah, yeah. They're a safety thing, and if you see the flare going, 
that's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. I mean, it's like something's not right. They've got a da, 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 da. You don't want flares yeah. happening. Like that's not yeah. a good thing. Okay. All right. So at around 1 a.m. December 3rd, loud rumbling reverberated around the plant as a safety valve gave way, sending a plume of MIC gas into the early morning air. Within hours, the streets of Bhopal were littered with human corpses and the carcasses of buffaloes, cows, dogs, and birds. Also, this shit's properly toxic. Yeah. Oh, damn. An estimated 3,800 people died immediately, like instantaneously. They're just walking around and then they're dead. Gone. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's not good. <laughs> and that's not good. of course, it was mostly in the poor slum colony yeah. adjacent to the UCC plant. Of course. Local hospitals were soon overwhelmed with the injured a crisis further compounded by a lack of knowledge of exactly what gas was involved and what its effects were. Of course. They just not like they had a, a planned preparation for this if something was like this was supposed to happen. No. They turned the fan off for three weeks. They're not going to send any documentation to the hospital in the event of an accident. Yeah. Oops, we made a boo-boo. Uh, whoopsies. <laughs> So it became one of the worst chemical disasters in history and the name Bhopal became synonymous with industrial catastrophe. Yeah. So estimates of the number of people killed in the first few days by the plume from the UCC plant run as high as 10,000 with 15 to 20,000 premature deaths reportedly occurring in the sub subsequent two decades. The Indian government reported that more than half a million people, that's 500,000 people, folks, mm -hmm. were exposed to the gas. Several epidemiological studies conducted soon after the accident showed significant morbidity and increased mortality in the exposed population. I have to say it is likely that the data captured underrepresents massively the true extent yeah. of adverse health effects because many exposed individuals left Bhopal immediately following well, the disaster never to return and were therefore lost to follow up. Right. So they just fucked off. Oh, yeah. I mean, I probably would too. For obvious reasons, but yeah, yeah. none of that was captured. Yeah, okay. So the data is not solid. No. <laughs> mm, we like some solid data. Mm. Their data is as useful as the safety switch that stopped working. The non-existent <laughs> fan. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so aftermath. Immediately after the disaster, UCC began attempts to disassociate itself from responsibility for the gas leak. Its principal tactic was to shift culpability to UCIL, stating mm. the plant was wholly built and operated by the Indian subsidiary. Right. It also fabricated scenarios involving sabotage by previously unknown Sikh extremist groups and disgruntled employees, but this theory was impugned by numerous independent sources. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Like, fuck off. Just stop trying to throw everyone else under the bus, you clowns. Like, yeah. Yeah. Now, the toxic plume had barely cleared when on December 7th, four days later, the first multi-billion dollar lawsuit was filed by an American attorney in a U.S. court. Right. This was the beginning of years of legal machinations in which the ethical implications of the tragedy and its effect on Bhopal's people were largely ignored. Do you know why it was 
like because obviously there was another company in the states so as in for the same sort of thing that they were making and what and whatnot so is that where that from the american attorney has come from where they just hear on the grapevine or they've just gone this is big i'm in it's probably one person or a handful of americans died yeah right type thing yeah okay and then they've just gone what yeah sue them let's get in on it yeah yeah in March 1985, the Indian government enacted the Bhopal Gas Leak Disaster Act as a way of ensuring that claims arising from the accident would be dealt with speedily and equitably. The act made the government the sole representative of the victims in legal proceedings, both within and outside of India. So eventually all cases were taken out of the US legal system under the ruling of the presiding American judge and placed entirely under Indian jurisdiction much to the detriment of the injured parties. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Because if they're already trying to shirk responsibility, it's not like they're going to get a fair settlement for anybody who's impacted by mm-hmm. that, in my, in my very generalised opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's not good. Not a great look. No. So in a settlement mediated by the Indian Supreme Court, UCC accepted moral responsibility and agreed to pay $470 million to the Indian government to then be distributed to the claimants as a full and final settlement. The figure was partly based on the disputed claim that only 3,000 people died and 102,000 suffered permanent disabilities. Upon announcing the settlement, shares of UCC rose $2 per share or 7% in value. What? Yeah. What's wrong with people? Had compensation in Bhopal been paid at the same rate that asbestos victims had been uh, awarded in US courts by a defendant, including UCC, which, by the way, they mined asbestos from 1963 to 1985, the liability... They've got a good track record. Track record's solid. Right? So the liability would have been greater than $10 billion. Right. Dollars. And the company okay. was worth and insured for in 1984. So by the end of October 2003, according to the Bhopal Gas Tragedy Relief and Rehabilitation Department, compensation had been awarded to f- over 500,000 people for injuries received and to 15,000 survivors of those killed. Right. That equated to the average amount to families of the dead was about 2000 $200. Stop. Yeah. That doesn't even cover the bar tab at the way. Yeah. And this, well, one of the like, there's six, there's 600 articles out there about this, by the way. Like sure. there's so much information to comprehend. Yeah. And I'm trying to condense this into an hour, which is just not even yeah. humanly possible. There are articles and articles like the effects and the the like the aftermath is still being felt for generations and generations. There's so much like community work. There's so many updates legally, like people not being paid. All this kind of it's just fucked. It's absolutely yeah. fucked. They got away with it pretty much as the the summary, the consensus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But anyway, we're not getting into too much of that legal <laughs> stuff because that's just depressing as hell. So yeah, exactly. So at every turn, UCC has attempted to manipulate, obfuscate, and withhold scientific data to, to the detriment of victims. Even to this date, the company has not stated exactly what was in the toxic cloud that enveloped the city on the December night. So don't even, even to know. today, like they're not even saying. Yeah. Does anybody get like a little? I don't know. One of those little sticks that you can wee on and check your pH levels. Just wave <laughs> one of those around in the air. Oh, no, it's bad. No. <laughs> bad. When MIC, the the gas or, you know, whatever it is, is exposed yeah. to 200 degrees heat, it forms degraded MIC that contains the more deadly hydrogen cyanide. So if people, you know, it's hard to imagine what this does and what it's like, think of cyanide. Right. Okay. I don't know that I'm able to liken that to any of my uh, activities I've done before in terms of cyanide, but I know that's bad. James Bond? Yeah. You know, they would always cyanide break a pill. tooth pills and they'd uh-huh. froth at the mouth and they'd be dead in like seconds. It's fucking bad. Like okay. it's what, yeah. it's what like uh, bioterrorism and like stuff. You, yeah. You're going to yeah, kill yeah, people. It's bad. Just knock it. Yeah. Dead with yeah. cyanide. Not that we're encouraging that. (laughs) Anyway, there was clear evidence that the storage tank temperature did reach this level in the disaster. The cherry red colour of blood and viscera of some victims were characteristic of acute cyanide poisoning. Yeah. Moreover, many responded well to administration of sodium thiosulfate, an effective therapy for cyanide poisoning, but not MIC exposure. UCC initially recommended use of sodium thiosulfate but withdrew the statement, later prompting suggestions that it attempted to cover up evidence of the the, the cyanide, HCN, Mm -hmm. in the gas leak. Right. So they could have been trying to hide it because if they suggested it, then this would, you know, obviously. Make it, yeah, make it that they knew what it is. So if you're suggesting a way to cure something, you must know what it is that you're trying to cure. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing was is that if they got it wrong, then they could even be they could be even more they could liable. They'd be liable again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. The presence of HCN was vigorously denied by UCC and was a point of conjecture among researchers. Hmm. I didn't don't go fully into the science here, but I believe because it was like a gaseous cloud or it's hard to scientifically prove the levels of something at a point in time because it was gas and then it just like, I think it was very sudden and then it disappeared very, very quickly. So mm-hmm. it's not like radioactivity like in Chernobyl where you could measure the intensity of something and work that or, out. Yeah, Whereas yeah. this was like, think of it as a giant cyanide fart and it just yeah. fucking killed lots of people real quick smart. And if you got a bit of the fart on you, <laughs> If you got crop dusted, you were yeah. fucking dead. That's pretty, that's what I could equate it. it to. No, I love it. I really enjoy that that version. It makes it very clear for me. Yeah. That I can relate to. As further insult, UCC discontinued operation at its Bhopal plant following the disaster, but failed to clean up the industrial site completely. The plant continues to leak several toxic chemicals and heavy metals that have found their way into local aquifers which dangerously contaminated water has now been added to the legacy left by the company 
for the people of Bhopal. Shut it down. Yeah, this ain't over. It's still happening. Oh, far out. Okay. And what I've learned at EPA, working at EPA, which is absolutely fascinating what these regulatory bodies do and how they partner with, you know, small businesses, what they call duty holders, to like really, really teach them and really think about what the, you know, immediate, midterm, long-term effects are of things doing. Like it's really quite fascinating. Like, yeah. And they're not like eco-warrior. I think everyone would think that they're like hardcore eco-warrior people, yeah. and I'm sure some of them are, but they're, sure. they're it's like science-based science yeah, yeah, yeah. things. Like whenever yeah. there's a bushfire in Australia or a truck flips over and spills paint everywhere or whatever, EPA is like they're the folk. And they're all over it. It's not politically motivated. It's purely, yeah, it's science. Yeah, it's really quite fascinating. Anyway. That's so cool. So what are the lessons learned from Bhopal? Now, please tell me. The events in Bhopal revealed that expanding industrialization in developing countries without concurrent evolution in safety regulations could have catastrophic, catastrophic, catastrophic. They will have catastrophic effects. Can I just pause you just for a moment? You can. Before you um, uh, begin again with catastrophic. I have a plant in my study. Mm -hmm. Long-term. See? Plant. Lovely. That, thank you. That plant has attracted some of those dumb fly things. Little gnats. Gnats. That fucking gnats. And there are currently two of them in here and they're driving me absolutely batty. And every time I get close to squitching it, gone. Natty. And I don't know if it's two or if it's just the same one giving me the shits. So if at any point I just sort of stop and seem distracted, it's because it's within my eye sight. I just didn't want you to think I wasn't paying full attention. <laughs> Continue with your catastrophic effects. Kate has lost the plot, folks. <laughs> just it's giving me the absolute shit. <laughs> I need to get one of those sprays, one of those little fly sticks that go in my, my plant. If the soil is too moist and wet up top, that is a breeding ground oh, for gnats. Probably. Yeah. Okay. I'll just get them blow dryer out. Now, the disaster demonstrated that seemingly, seemingly local problems of industrial hazards and toxic contamination are often tied to global market dynamics. Obviously. Obviously. UCC's seven production plant was built in Madhya Pradesh not to avoid environmental regulation in the US, but to exploit the large and growing Indian pesticide market. However, the manner in which the project was executed suggests the existence. Oh, I got it. You got it? Sorry. <laughs> got it, you little fuckwit. Get out of here. Not here to fuck flies. I'm, I'm here to squash them. <laughs> I do apologise. I did warn you it was coming and it came right into my eyesight. And I fucking got him. If there's Bam! another one, folks, we know what's going on. That's it. Oh, sorry, sorry. Now, however, the manner in which the project was executed suggests the existence of a double standard for multinational corporations operating in developing countries. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Now, enforceable, uniform, international operating regulations for hazardous industries would have provided a mechanism for significantly improved safety in Bhopal. Yeah. 
Even without enforcement, international standards could provide norms for measuring performance of individual companies engaged in hazardous activities such as the manufacture of pestify, 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 At least if there was regulations, industrial regulations across the board, somebody would have had a fucking clipboard that said, make sure the fan's on. Tick. Mm. That's all it would have taken. We've done this in other areas, right? Exactly. Yeah, we feel like a fan that is turned on for three weeks is an important factor in this plant running effectively before you kill everybody with a ginormous poisonous fart. And, of course, like corporations are going to go where everything is cheaper and it's just shocking because... That just means that all responsibility, accountability, everything, all it does, worst case scenario is you got bad PR. And yeah, I mean, that yeah, can be bad, right. but still, you didn't kill but, anyone. Yeah, You're you just didn't associated with someone. Yeah, you didn't kill anybody with an article in the daily news or mm. whatever it's called. Yeah. So, local governments clearly cannot allow industrial facilities to be situated within urban areas, regardless of the evolution of land use over time. Industry and government need to bring proper financial support to local communities so they can provide medical and other necessary services to reduce morbidity, mortality, and other material loss in the case of industrial accidents. So, by the way, public health infrastructure was very weak in Bhopal in 1984. Tap water was available for only a few hours a day and was very poor quality. Mm-hmm. With no functioning sewage system, untreated human waste was dumped into two nearby lakes. One, a source of drinking water. Oh. And the city had four major hospitals, but there was a shortage of physicians and hospital beds. There was also no mass casualty emergency response system in place in the city. Like, fuck me. Shit. As a shit list of how to manage this situation. It's this poor place, this poor city. Yeah, it's yeah. just they're ticking every shit box. The people suffer because of yeah, yeah. the infrastructure Greed. of what's set up around them. Yeah. Okay, so since 1984, following the events, environmental awareness and activism in India increased significantly. The Environment mm-hmm. Protection Act was passed in 1986. Another great year. Yeah, we did some good stuff. Pestify. Love that. That's a great word. That's so good. Uh, Creating the Ministry of Environment and Forests, MOEF, and strengthening India's commitment to the environment. Under the new act, the MOEF was given overall responsibility for administering and enforcing environmental laws and policies. It established the importance of integrating environmental strategies into all industrial development plans for that country. However, despite greater government commitment to protect public health, forests and wildlife, policies geared to developing the country's economy have taken precedence in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. So India, as we all know, has undergone tremendous economic growth in the last two decades since the Bhopal disaster, even since three decades. Yeah. Rapid industrial development has contributed greatly to economic growth, but there has been significant cost in environmental degradation and increased public health risks. With the industrial growth since 1984, there has been an increase in small-scale industries, 
that are clustered about major urban areas in India. There are generally less stringent rules for the treatment of waste produced by these small businesses due to less waste generation, you know, in This has allowed those small industries to dispose of untreated wastewater into drainage systems that flow directly into rivers. New Delhi's, for instance, New Delhi's Yumana River is illustrative. Dangerously high levels of heavy metals such as lead, cobalt, cadmium, chrome, nickel and zinc have been detected in this river, which is a major supply of potable water to India's capital, thus posing not posing like it is a potential health risk to the people living there and areas downstream. Yeah. Like it's land pollution due to uncontrolled disposal of industrial solid and hazardous waste is also a problem throughout India with rapid industrialization. The generation of industrial solid and hazardous waste has increased appreciably and the environmental impact is significant. Significant. Oh my goodness, it's just, it's intense. It's ridiculous. That's so much, yeah. So just to give you a couple examples, well, I'll give you one. Yeah, give us one. I've got that line too, I found it. Oh, yeah. From the film, I found it. Save it and you can, because <laughs> I haven't come up with a. a uh... Oh, I've got it and you're going to love it. I'm you're going to so love happy. it. I was thrilled to see what it was. So in March 2001, residents of Koda Canal in southern India, I totally butchered that by the, by the way. No, it's perfect. In southern India caught the Anglo-Dutch company Unilever, which we all know, red-handed yes. when they discovered a dump site with toxic mercury-laced w- waste from a thermometer factory run by the company's Indian subsidiary, Hindustan Lever. Ooh. Busted. I know. Real bad. Mercury is not cool. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Mercury just coming in here, getting a bad rap. That's some bad PR for Mercury. Mm -hmm. The 7.4 tonne stockpile of mercury-laden glass was found in torn stacks spilling into the ground in a scrap metal yard located near a school. Leave the schools alone. Yeah. In the fall of 2001, steel from the ruins of the World Trade Center was exported to India, apparently without first being tested for contamination from asbestos and heavy metals present in the Twin Tower debris. Let's just send it there. Don't test it. Just send it. Mercury is bad. (laughs) That's what we've learned. Other examples of poor environmental stewardship and economic considerations taking precedence over public health concerns are abound. Like you think of Erin Brockovich, Kate. Yeah, yeah, which I have regularly. That is nothing compared to... And I'm not trying to throw India on the bus here, by the way. Like, yes, Indian government is very responsible about all of this, but so are the, so are all of Western society sending shit over and there. The company said it exactly right. And you think Erin Brockovich is bad? It is nothing to the multiple examples of shit that's happening in countries like India. Yeah. That we, what you buy at the supermarket or you know other things, are very big contributors to this shit. Yeah. And just because 
yeah, they're where they are. We don't hear about it. So you, you yeah. think Aaron Brockovich is a big deal? <laughs> well, it just goes to show the fact that, you know, you said to me, what are some of the natural disasters that you're aware of? Uh, that Not natural disasters, the industrial accidents that you're aware of mm. that have made front page nyad. And this is not even quite, I'd never, I've never heard of this before in my life. Again, not surprising for me. I get it. Mm. But at the same time, I don't, I've never heard of this ever. Mm. So, yeah. Like another example, just quickly, is um, aggressive marketing of asbestos continues in developing countries as a result of restrictions being placed on its use in developed nations. Yeah. Because we all know it's well established there was a link between asbestos products and respiratory diseases. Uh So everyone in Western or, you know, whatever, well-established countries or whatever you want to call them, they get it. So asbestos is being like spruiked to all these developing countries. So yeah. guess what? India has become a major consumer using around 100,000 tonnes of asbestos per year. No. 80% of which is imported with Canada being the largest overseas oh. supplier. Canada. Don't. <laughs> Mining production and use of asbestos in India is very loosely regulated despite the health hazards. Reports have shown morbidity and mortality from asbestos-related disease will continue in India without enforcement of a ban or significantly tighter controls. Like... It, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Okay. Anyway. I think... Can I just say as well? Sure. I really do think, and I know you've probably already done it and you've done all the work uh, on it, but it would be remiss if we didn't call this episode Pestify. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can do that, I feel like you should. Okay, let's do it. Just so we don't make it too easy for folks to know exactly. what it is. Then they'll have to listen to it. They're like, oh, that's why it's called this. There is on your uh, the note of um, asbestos dump. In here in Australia at the moment, there's a, uh, uh, a recent um, a commercial bu- or a residential and commercial building uh, issue that's come up, which is uh, asbestos 2.0 almost, mm. and it's silica. And it's bench tops and things and faux marble looking benches made from silica products. And when these products are cut, which they need to be, so for example, use it as a bench top, they have to cut out the spot for the sink. Again, hadn't been regulated, hadn't no warnings, no nothing. And obviously with a lot of building materials and things, you know, it's wear goggles, wear a mask, wear gloves, wear ear- earphone things, blah, 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 whatever. But there's so many builders and stuff out there that had been going ahead and making these these products and kitchens and bath bathrooms and all that cutting the silica products and it's the same sort of effects of uh you know cancer and uh, respiratory illness and things like that and that came to light again and you just think there's so much wrong with keeping that sort of stuff from these professionals mm. that are that are that are doing this and not giving them the information that they're allowed if you give them all the warnings give them all the information give them the regulations and they choose to ignore them different things if you are aware this is toxic and poisonous and whatnot, you don't wear a mask or safety protection or anything, that's on you. But give people enough information. Give people an understanding of what's going on. And then, yeah, it's just, it sucks because these companies make this shit. They don't do the proper tests. They don't do the regulations. And then people who are just trying to earn a fucking living are the ones who get knocked out. Well, yeah, that's the that's so much part of this is that, 
these are these are countries that are developing. They yeah. don't have the luxury jobs. Yeah. of being, you know, they're often put in a position where they have to do things unsafely because that or it's donate. Exactly. And I'm happy to sit on my high horse about this. Or as the gentleman sitting behind me at the football a few weeks ago said, I'll sit firmly on my hobby horse about this situation. Oh, God. <laughs> I struggled not to turn around and go, you mean high horse, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Not hobby horse. Hobby horse is like a little rocket horse. Stupid. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's finish this episode. All right. Now. UCC has shrunk to one-sixth of its size since the Bhopal disaster in an effort to restructure and divest itself. By doing so, the company avoided a hostile takeover, placed a significant portion of UCC's assets out of legal reach of the victims, and gave its shareholder and top executives bountiful profits and bonuses. Of course they did. The company still operates under the ownership of Dow chemicals and still states on its website that the Bhopal disaster was caused by deliberate sabotage. That's a lie. So by the way, Dow Chemicals, American. Yep. And still this company, subsidiary, whatever you want to call it, can get away with denying and saying this was caused by deliberate sabotage. Deliberate sabotage. Just anyone they feel like did it. It was probably Carol, <laughs> let's be honest. Don't trust the Carol. She went out and got her goddamn sandwiches and forgot about all of it. All right, in conclusion, the tragedy of Bhopal continues to be a warning sign at once ignored and heeded. Bhopal and its aftermath were a warning that the path to industrialization for developing countries in general, and India in particular, is fraught with human, environmental and economic perils. Some moves by the Indian government, including the formation of the MOEF, have served to offer some protection of the public's health from the harmful practices of local and multinational heavy industry and grassroots organisations that have also played a part in opposing rampant development. The Indian economy is growing at a tremendous rate, but at significant cost in environmental health and public safety as large and small companies throughout the subcontinent continue to pollute. Mm. Far more remains to be done for public health in the context of industrialization to show that the lessons of the countless thousands dead in Bhopal have truly been heeded. And that is the end of my episode. Yas, Dominic. <laughs> yas, Quinn. <laughs> yas, Quinn. Pestify. Pestify. I love that okay. word. Same. I've been hanging on to this for this whole episode. Okay. So thank God for that. I'm going to play it. I'm going to see if it plays. We'll see. It's on some navvy website, so mm. I don't know if it's going to play, but here we go. I'm going to play that again. Uh, it's enough plutonium to make Chernobyl look like picnic. Yeah. There's enough plutonium to... Can you name that film? (gasps) It sounds so familiar. Can I give you a hint? Yes. Okay. There is uh, one admiral, one general, and then two other Navy guys in the room as this is being said. (laughs) Is it a James Bond film? Yes, it goddamn is. Yeah, I 
I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the Pierce Brosnan one, maybe. Yes, it is. It's either Goldeneye or The World Is Not Enough. Tomorrow Never Dies, but you were so close, which is, yeah, arguably like one of my favourites. 1997, Tomorrow Never Dies, Pierce Brosnan, Michelle Yeoh, who is... The best. The best, the best, the best. Uh, yeah, so that's it. And Kate. There's enough plutonium to make Chernobyl look like picnic. picnic. Yeah. Very good. It was obviously ingrained in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, they're doing, the um, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra are doing a thing of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, my god! In honour of Michelle Yao for her recent Academy win. They're going to yes. play the movie and have all that score, which is probably my favourite movie score of all time. So I think wow. I'm going to go by myself because... Do it. Just live it and enjoy it. It's, it's one of those things that you can just sit and appreciate. I did that for love, actually. Different thing, different style, yeah. but exquisite. Yeah. Exquisite. Okay. Dharma, well done. I'm so proud of you. That was so good. Um, I have decided my episode for next week. Do you want me to give you a little... Yeah, a little teaser. Give our folks a teaser, and then I'll give folks a teaser for the extra bonus episode yes. as well. So, my little teaser for next week, and it actually ties in really well with what you've been talking about, dumb. But I'm actually going to delve into the murky underworld of government experiments. <gasps> Love it. So, we're going to have a look at that. It could be a two parter. Um, upon pre- preliminary research, um, there's a possibility it's going to be a two-parter. So stick with us. But, Don, what have you got for the people? Talk to me. Tease well, me. Okay, just a reminder, we did – remember I did an episode on the Stanford experiment, which is mm-hmm. one of – it's a really, really good one, but it's there's so many more to do. Absolutely. And I'm usually like a multi-story kind of gal, so I might even just do some little tidbits and this and that, but it's a fascinating a fascinating topic. Yeah. Topic. yeah. Uh, so folks, if you want to stick around, which you totes want to, I've got a really cool, again, environmentally focused, um, disaster, which I guarantee you've probably never heard of before. And it is, we're on the brink of actual catastrophic end of the world level disaster and people just don't even know about it. And this one is really real and present. So Stick Ooh. around or go listen to our Brickinet episode because you need to be a Patreon to do that. So go Well, do that. that's right. Sneaky deaky. Cost you $5 entry, but okay. you'll, you won't regret it. Can't wait, Dom. I'll talk to you soon to our regular listeners. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.